I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart. And close your eyes, unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. So take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your worries go. Let any tension in your body go, and let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. And exhale out loud with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to To Be Honest, and welcome to our first-time listeners. Your feedback on last week's topic, loss and grief, have not gone unnoticed. As a matter of fact. Quite a number of you wish me to share more on this topic, particularly on the difference between grief and bereavement, and whether there is a proper way or healthier way to grieve. A few of you also asked, "What's the difference between grief and depression?" Well, my audience, your wish is my command. So I'm going to answer all those questions in this episode. So let me just quickly recap what grief is. 
Last week, I did mention that grief is a normal and natural response to loss. Though we often expect to grieve the death of a family member or a loved one or friend, many other significant losses can also trigger grief. Examples include the end of a relationship, a divorce, a move to a new community or country. A much-anticipated opportunity or life goal is suddenly closed to us. The death of a pet, or someone we love, contracts a potentially life-threatening illness. Now, grieving such losses is important because it allows us to free up energy that is bound to the lost person, object, animal. Or experience, so that we might reinvest that energy elsewhere. To be honest, until we grieve effectively, we are likely to find reinvesting difficult. A part of us remains tied to the past. It is important to know grieving is not forgetting, nor is it drowning in tears. Healthy grieving results in an ability to remember the importance of our loss, but with a newfound sense of peace rather than searing pain. Now, I must point out there is a difference between grief and bereavement. Grief is what one may feel after any loss, whereas bereavement. Refers to the death of a loved one or any person. Nevertheless, grief and bereavement both point to an intense feeling of sadness or depression. Now, my audience, I believe losing a loved one to suicide is one of life's most painful experiences. The feelings of loss, sadness, and loneliness experienced after any death of a loved one are often magnified in suicide survivors by feelings of guilt, confusion, rejection, shame, anger, and the effects of stigma and trauma. Furthermore. Survivors of suicide loss are at higher risk of developing major depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and suicidal behaviors, as well as a prolonged form of grief that we call complicated grief. It is when you experience a loss that seems unbearable. It is that overwhelming feeling in the pit of your stomach that makes you think things will never be the same. If you are familiar with these feelings, you are not alone. So, while grief is a normal emotion associated with loss, complicated grief is exactly that—complicated, just like the example I gave on suicide. It is the term used to describe unresolved, chronic grief or grief that is delayed. So it has been described as an ongoing, heightened state of mourning, 
the symptoms of normal grief and complicated grief are similar in the beginning. However, while normal grief symptoms begin to ease and slowly subside, the symptoms of complicated grief tend to linger and get worse. While everyone experiences grief differently, there are stages of the grief process that most people experience. So, just as people are different, the order that one experiences the stages of grief and whether a stage is skipped or repeated is unique to the bereaved person. So, in other words, it's not linear. The initial stage of grief is a stage of denial and shock. During this stage, many people refer to it as a feeling of being emotionally paralyzed. It's knowing that something happened, but feeling as though it is a bad dream. And then, after the initial shock of grief, guilt, pain. Anger and bargaining often occur. Some people blame themselves for the loss, even when the loss was related to a chronic illness that resulted in death. Survivors often experience survivor's guilt. For some, feelings of anger and frustration become so overwhelming that it affects their personal and professional relationships. Then depression, loneliness, and reflection is the stage of grief when reality seems to set in. Now, this is when extreme emotions begin to be felt. Many people withdraw from others and say that they prefer to deal with grief alone. At some point, the feelings of pain, guilt, and anger begin to lift. At this point, it's referred to as the upward turn. The bereaved person begins to feel an improvement in overall well-being. However, for people with complicated grief, this stage is often delayed by at least a year due to unresolved feelings. Now, my audience, please bear in mind: in cases of uncomplicated grief, the bereaved person will begin a phase of working through emotions and accepting a loss. The person will begin to make plans and find some sense of new normal in moving forward with life. However, for people who are experiencing complicated grief, this part of the grieving process can take years, especially if they do not seek professional help. They will continue to have symptoms. And those symptoms can become overwhelming and can begin to influence everyday life. So I would like to share some of the common symptoms of complicated grief with you. They include feelings of numbness and detachment, the inability to think about the loss with any positive memories. With an intense or persistent longing for the deceased person, intense sorrow or pain because of the loss of their loved one, an inability to focus on anything but the loved one's death, and extreme focus on things that remind them of the lost loved ones. 
and additional signs that you are experiencing complicated grief include feeling the need to isolate from others, having trouble carrying out normal routines, experiencing depression or self-blame, or wishing you had died with your loved one. All right, so now is a good time to answer another question from you last week. What is the difference between grief and depression? If you are a client of mine, you often hear me explain what depression is. If I could put a depression in a nutshell, and if there's a nutshell to put it in, it is anger turned inward. Now, that is based from my years of professional experience and that I have witnessed time and time again from many of my clients. And not only that I believe, I know that depression itself is a symptom of something much deeper in one's psyche that has not been resolved. And more often than not, once I have helped my clients to excavate what those deeper issues were, processed whatever suppressed feelings that they had, and guess what? During the process, two main feelings often show up, anger and shame. And once they started processing the shame and anger and other unprocessed feelings, their depression started to wane. However, in conventional psychology, they still believe that depression is a clinical syndrome and nothing more. They believe depression is a collection of symptoms and signs, which makes it a syndrome. And there is a specific criterion for the diagnosis of the disease, such as depressed mood, loss of interest and enjoyment, reduced energy, and increased fatigability are considered to be characteristics of depression. Other features include reduced self-esteem and self-confidence, ideas of guilt and worthlessness, bleak and pessimistic view of the future, ideas or acts of self-harm or suicide, reduced concentration and attention, disturbed sleep, and diminished appetite. These symptoms should last at least two weeks to make the diagnosis of depression. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, all these are symptoms of a depressed person. What I'm saying is that depression is also a symptom to a bigger issue. And if we don't look deeper, depression will linger on for a long period of time. Because in depression, the low mood does not vary much, and it is often not related to circumstances. In some cases, the mood may be masked by excessive physical complaints where diagnosis of depression is difficult to make without excluding other conditions. Now, it's an absolute that depression should be diagnosed and treated since it can affect the individual's health in all aspects of their life. All right, so let me sum it up for you. The difference between grief and depression. Grief is an emotional reaction to loss of loved ones or any other significant losses. 
whereas bereavement refers to the death of a loved one or any person. And complicated grief is the term used to describe unresolved, chronic grief or grief that is delayed. So it is most likely that losing a child by parents or losing a loved one to suicide, the survivors will most likely experience complicated grief. While depression is a clinical syndrome, or I define it as a result of anger turning inward and it is a symptom to a bigger unresolved issue that needs to be dealt with and resolved for good. There are specific treatments, modalities are available to treat depression, but for grief, there is no specific treatment, but counseling may have a beneficial effect for sure. So now I'm going to answer the last question. And your question was, how to grieve in a healthy way? I have good news. Much of the process of healthy grieving seems to be built into our genes. Acknowledging and growing from losses is such a natural process that much of it will happen without our direction, providing if we relax our expectations of how we should grieve and give up some of our need to be in control. Now, having said that, Healthy grieving is an active process. It is not true that you just need to give it time. So when you hear people say, oh, time will heal everything, it's not true. One way of understanding the work to be done is to think of grieving as a series of tasks we need to complete, not necessarily in sequence, though. The goal is to accept the finality of the loss. Because if you don't, you will continue to suffer. To acknowledge and express the full range of feelings we experience as a result of the loss. To adjust to a life in which the lost person, object, animal, or experience is absent. And to say goodbye. To ritualize our movement to a new normal and a new peace with the loss. Now, good friends, family members, or a personal counselor can all be helpful in doing this vital work. Of course, you can also do a good deal to help yourself. And here are some healthy ways to do exactly that. Treat yourself with the same care, tolerance, and affection you would extend to a valued friend in a similar situation. So go gently. Take whatever time it needs, rather than giving yourself a deadline for when you should be over it. And more importantly, stay away from people who expect you to grieve and heal according to their timeline. Expect and accept some reduction in your usual efficiency and consistency. After all, you need to focus on your grieving. Try to avoid ticking on new responsibilities or making major life decisions for a time. Talk regularly about your grief and your memories with someone you trust. Make sure you accept help and support when offered. 
be particularly attentive to maintaining healthy eating and sleeping patterns. Exercise moderately and regularly. Keep a journal or gratitude journal to focus on what you have rather than what you don't have. Maybe reading can help. There are many helpful books on grief. Plan and allow yourself to enjoy some good times without guilt. The goal is balance. Carry or wear a linking object, a keepsake that symbolically reminds you of your loss. Anticipate the time in the future when you no longer need to carry this reminder, and gently let it go. Tell those around you what helps you and what doesn't. Most people would like to help if they knew how. Make time to take warm and leisurely baths. See a professional psychologist or counselor. Remember, reaching out is a form of resilience, not weakness. Get a massage regularly. Set aside a specific private time daily to remember and experience whatever feelings arise with the memories. Do plan for special days such as holidays or anniversaries. Feelings can be particularly intense at these times. Vent your anger in healthy ways rather than holding it in. A brisk walk or a game of tennis can help. Plant yourself in nature. Go for a walk in the woods. Do something to help someone else. And last, write down your lessons. Healthy grieving will have much to teach you. That's for sure. Okay, my audience. Thank you for all your questions, and I hope I have clarified them for you. Thank you for listening, and until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiel.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O.com. dot com.